Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with comic Brandon Follick. Brandon Follick, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you, Brian? Oh, thank you so much for coming on during this uh, weird-ass time. And during this weird-ass time, where can people find you online? I know I follow you. You're Follick Acid, which is hilarious. Thanks, yeah. I, uh, I always wonder if anyone picks up on that science pun. <laughs> I made it, uh, you know, back in my very nerdy days. But, yeah, I'm on Twitter there. Uh, Instagram, it's uh, my name, Brandon underscore Follick. Um... Yeah, and then I have like a couple links on there if you want to check out having the work I do or anything like that. Yeah, your Twitter takes you to Linktree, which then in turn like shows me all your, you know, where I can find your reductorist articles and I got them right here. And did you write all these fucking articles, man? I you did, have, yeah. You have four pages of fucking articles on reductorist? Yeah, I mean, you know, some of them are just headlines, but yeah, there's a good number of articles that I've written too. But yeah, that's all my work. Dude, I'm, I'm out. Down across the site that editors wrote, but yeah. Wow, because it says how to tell how to tell if he's an undercover cop or just another goofy man, and it's got oh, the man. pic the picture of the goofiest man I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, he's a. I, I feel I'm also one of those stock photos on the website. We have no control over when they're used and what for. We just kind of wake up one day and we're like, oh yeah, there's me. There, I'm being called the racist today. Like, <laughs> uh, so, so that yeah, that, 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 another that guy's another reduct that guy's another that guy's another reductress contributor. Um, I don't know if he's a contributor. I know okay. he's an, uh, an improviser and sketch actor at ECB. Okay. Well, yeah, he, he's not goofy, but he has a goofy pose on. So I suppose that's by design. Yeah, you know, that's just great acting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and also you're yeah, Brandon, Brandon underscore Follick on um, Instagram. And there I see some pictures from, it looks like you have a stand-up show at the Star Bar in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, back when live comedy was legal, um, <laughs> I friend Shelby Slower and I used to host a monthly show at Star Bar. It's called Girls Girls. Uh, we used to make fun of each other. Like, if any time we were, like, being a good person, be like, oh, yeah, you're being a good girls girl right now. <laughs> like, you're there for women. Uh, so we just kind of made a whole stand-up show centered around, like, what makes a girls girl? Who are we going to welcome to the girls girls hood this month? It usually ended up being Harry Styles every time. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, just invited some friends kind of all over. We'd have stand-up um, characters. We'd always have at least one musical act. Um, yeah, I know. I miss live performance. <laughs> yeah, I would think, yeah, if you're doing that every month, I mean, first of all, it must suck not to be able to kind of scratch that itch, although it might be nice not to have to organize. It must, you know, although a monthly show is not as bad as like a weekly show, it's got to be an administrative pain in the ass. Yeah, no, there was a, a good number of shared Google folders between me and Shelby. I also host a bi-weekly show um, with Paige Smith-Hogan and Michelle Davis. Oh, called... my Lord, Paige Smith-Hogan is an American treasure. I, yeah, truly, we, we don't deserve Paige Smith-Hogan. <laughs> yeah. I, I was so like, dude, she talks so passionately. Yeah, in defense of fucking Lana Del Rey. And I was <laughs> like, this, we need to, we need to kind of carbon, co or we need to make copies of Paige Smith Hogan so that everybody is this adorable. Yeah, every American household needs one Paige Smith Hogan, and that's <laughs> the future liberals want. <laughs> and so she's on, uh, she, she, does, she helps you with your bi monthly show. You guys do that together. Yeah, so we co host it with our friend Michelle Davis, another incredible comedian in New York. 
Um, we call it Meteor Apocalypse. It's actually based off this like kind of weird parody poster I have in my apartment. <laughs> um, but it's basically just kind of what are the kind of meteor apocalypse, car crash, terrible tragedies in your life. Just kind of unpacking that for us all. It's a safe space to, you know, really just go off on anything. Is, is the name uh, going to change now that there has been an apocalypse in the interim? Uh, oh, man, I don't know if I can do that to our brand. <laughs> We're already so established. But, yeah. uh, we might come back soon, which is kind of cool. Uh, how, long, how long has the show been going on? We started it in January or February, so it was still pretty young, but it was every other week, so we got a good number of shows in. Oh, wow. Um, and it was at this uh, coffee bar, fast bar, uh, called Fiction Speed uh, near me in Williamsburg. Okay. Um, so they just opened up their bar, so it was like kind of a fun way to kind of help bring them business and get some community stuff going on. Good. Now that, yeah, that's an administrative hassle bi-weekly. I talked to uh, Samantha, Samantha Bednar's was weekly and she was like, dude, that was the best day. I, you know, she said something like that. Oh, it's the best day of my life when I finally didn't have to fucking book for uh, a weekly show. My Lord. <laughs> yeah. No, people love to drop out five minutes in advance. It's kind of a cool <laughs> trend going on in the city. Uh, well, we're going to talk uh, about, we're going to talk about real quick is uh, just kind of the way you see the generational differences, because it sounds like, um, you are the oldest of four, and so you can give yeah. me the primer on millennialism and Gen Z. Yeah, uh, as a the kind of ambassador liaison and intergenerationally. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm the oldest of four. I'm the oldest of four boys. Um, I'm 27. My younger brothers are 21, 19, 15. Wow. Um, so we're every voting demographic. Um, and yeah, no, there's some stark differences between us. I would actually say my 21-year-old... 21 year old brother um leans more towards millennialism with me um 19 and 15 year olds definitely gen z uh, what, well, yeah what are the what are the what what are the differences between what are the differences between those two crews uh so for example like all my, my two younger siblings communicate with all their friends via snapchat oh um that's like the, i would say that's the messaging service uh what else you know tiktok of course um i'm pretty sure my 15 year old brother was one of the k-pop stands who booked a seat at the trump tulsa rally <laughs> good job good job brother yeah brother. no i i've never been so proud um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's the first cool thing you did 15 year old brother i know finally right like what a <laughs> what a way to really kick off your teen years but um <laughs> what are what are the some of the temperaments though like the temperament differences uh you know patience versus uh just fucking impatience and and things like uh you know attention span and what they value like are they more into you know social justice than maybe the 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 gen z or like uh, you know are they more caring of liberal issues than other generations do they think this stuff matters yeah, absolutely. Like my fifteen-year-old uh, brother, like I'm actually kind of surprised, like how well he's able to like think critically about gender identity. Wow. Um, you know, like I don't even know if my twenty-year-older brother knows male, female. Like, if that's a thing. I'm kidding. Um, but <laughs> but who, uh, who who does these days? I mean, there's yeah, many cool. ways to talk about male and female, and I think J.K. Rowling is the perfect person to do it. Yeah, she's a. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but i'm trying to think what else yeah no he him and kind of all my brothers like at least on instagram you know lately have been sharing a lot of social justice content which is great 
Do you think uh, it would have, like when a, when a young my old brother attended a march in our town? That was awesome. Uh, um, and then my twenty year old brother actually, I think he's like doing. He goes to a temple and he's. I know he's doing some work there, like, uh, with in terms of like helping to defund the police. <laughs> yeah. And then, as as an older brother, like when when the youngest brother comes to you, or or he's able to talk so intelligently and nuanced about gender fluidity or gender identity, do you think that he's ever going to come out as anything? Like, do you, do, you know, like I'm just as, I'm just like as a brother, as a sibling, when somebody else in your family talks so kind of. Uh, knowingly and passionately about a certain thing like do you ever are you ever curious that there's something there that he'll ultimately tell you um i mean it's possible you know it's uh it's their privacy it's their life uh supportive of whatever gender identity um he'll ever take on so you just kind of uh, wait you just kind of wait and see and if he ever wants to come out to you as something or other like you will be supportive at that time yeah of course also like i don't know if like Gen like gender studies are necessarily like excluded from anyone so like I you know it's kind of cool of a cisgender person I think of it very critically I think that allows them to have a deeper empathy oh good yeah right. did you uh did you read the JK Rowling uh essay apology thing and what did you think about it um unfortunately I only read the first half I believe yeah uh, it, was, it was about it was about that with that worthy of your attention yeah, no, after that, I was ready to clock out. I, I didn't have that much time for transphobic content. Um, yeah. But, you know, congrats to her for conjuring up whatever she needed to fit her narrative. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, she, I, you know, kind of alarming someone who came up with a stupid fucking fantasy world <laughs> can't envision more than two genders, but... <sighs> That's good. That's a good fucking joke, man. Have you, I mean, is that something that you're going to talk about? I mean, have you talked about that in your articles? Uh, I haven't. Um, someone else, a doctress, uh, has written a headline on J.K. Rowling, and okay. I, I think they summed it up pretty well. That I think the headline was something like, J.K. Rowling, actually, never mind, I'm sick of talking about this bitch. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we're in agreement. We're not going to really give her any more airtime. Yeah, I mean, I, what, like, do, you know, what do you think about cancel culture? Like, do you think that there are people like J.K. Rowling who just fucking, they live they live too long and they're in the public eye too long. They're, they're so out of touch that at some point we should just fucking cancel them altogether. And I don't mean the Twitter cancel, but just take them off platform because it's like, dude, you guys, I mean, you gave me a series of books and they were good books at the time I thought. And you're just fucking like, you're talking about shit that has nothing to do with the thing that we're interested in, which is the wizarding universe. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because she, you know, she's not excluded just because she's older than, some of us who are a little more aware of gender expression, like that doesn't necessarily, I mean, you know, trans people have existed forever. It doesn't exclude her from not knowing or respecting them or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's hard to kind of pinpoint in the whole cancer culture conversation because, you know, I don't know if transphobia ever uh, was like a subtle um, kind of oppressive thing in her writing or like, you know, if she took up space from a, trans writer that could have you know <laughs> kind of had a literary empire like jk rowling <laughs> um you know it's really hard to say uh you know i don't know that's that's a hard one because the harry potter books and movies you know did a lot of positive things for people yeah um and there, I, don't yeah. Know, I don't know if she's outright canceled she's definitely on probation it's hard <laughs> to say i'm cis i don't know 
Is, yeah, is there uh, anybody? I don't know exactly the type of uh, hate and uh, abuse her words have caused. Yeah, yeah. She really took her megaphone and she used it to make fun of trans people. It was like, you know, talking about a certain bathroom bill in Scotland or something like that. Go ahead and fucking legislate, you know, lobby the legislators behind closed doors, but don't fucking make fun of trans people in your, with your big giant megaphone with tens of millions of followers or whatever. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'll encourage everyone to smash the unfollow button. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Until, until we know that she's a little <laughs> more empathetic to everyone. Yeah. And is there any books from your childhood, any books from your childhood that kind of, um, I don't know, taught you, uh, taught you lessons that were analogous to the Harry Potter thing, you know, the good versus evil. Like what, what books did you get into back when you were young? Oh man. Um, so long ago. I'm so old. Yeah. Uh, definitely read the Harry Potter books. I remember the kite runner being a great enlightening book. Um, a lot of the details are lost on me now. It's probably been like 10 years since I read it. But what, yeah, uh, what, are the, what, are the I, lessons, what, what are the lessons that you think everybody should learn? Like you mentioned empathy. Like what are the things growing up that people, you know, people of a certain age should be exposed to through any sort of book series or whatever? Empathy and what else? Um, awareness of other environments, perspective, experiences, things like that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think historical nonfiction is, you know, really important to know um but some of the kind of fictional narratives that people piece together maybe like if it's a historical period piece anything like that um anything that helps kind of like illuminate your understanding of someone else's experience um you're not not going to necessarily know it because it's not your lived experience but uh, i think anything that broadens your world is really helpful towards empathy and do we think that stand-up comedy is kind of a way to do that? Like, I, I think now, you know, I interview, yeah, I interview yeah. so many comedians and they each have such a wonderful story that's, you know, that I had no idea. You know, they come in and I had no idea that they had this fucking backstory. And I'm like, wow, I'm so glad that you fucking, you know, brought that to my attention. And then I ask, are you talking about that on stage? And some of them have yet to do so. And so, yeah, what are some of the, I mean, you know, what is the role of kind of, um, you know, uh, teaching people about, uh, your experience does you know what role is it in stand-up comedy like do you see a lot of stand-up comedies kind of do you see a lot of stand-up comics enlightening audiences via their act and are you doing that as well uh absolutely i i definitely see that happening here in brooklyn um can't i don't know about manhattan i don't know if i've been venturing out enough this year um <laughs> yeah, at least in brooklyn I, at least in brooklyn yeah no people are absolutely popping off in brooklyn um no, I definitely see it here. I think it's great. You know, stand-up is probably one of the best ways to connect with someone in real time. Um, so once you connect with someone and, you know, the audience is really tuning in and you're kind of giving your autobiographical um, bits and jokes and whatnot, uh, I think that's really powerful. And what, yeah, what are some of those things from your life that you're talking about on stage? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm that intelligent. Or are you, or are you, or are you, observa are you, obs are you observational with your material or autobiographical? Uh, a bit of both. I feel like I lean more autobiographical because, you know, it's stand up is narcissism at its best. So why not <laughs> myself? And so, yeah, who are some of the people who are making it into your act? I mean, is your 15 year old brother doing so? Um, is my 15 year old brother doing so? No, I try not to make fun of anyone I know <laughs> like okay. that you know, because I love them deeply. Um, but um, 
I don't know who I make fun of. I grew up in the Poconos, which is kind of like a random rural tourist area. Yeah. We'll talk about that that a lot. Um, you talk about date, dating or whatever? Because you, you can make fun of people who you dated. <laughs> yes, I absolutely make fun of my exes. I think they gave me that, <laughs> that <laughs> permission. Um, <laughs> I didn't make any of them sign an NDA, so like, what yeah. fucking ever. Yeah. yeah, if you hung me, you're pretty much dead, and I get full rights too. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they probably know, they probably know you're a comedy writer anyway, so they know what they're getting into. Yeah, I mean, if I'm dating you, I'll flat out be like, "Hey, I'm never gonna make fun of you. Don't worry. Like, you don't have to worry around me." But then if you're my ex, I'm like, "Yeah, you're absolutely done, and I'm going to drag you left and right every opportunity I get." <laughs> uh, I love. <laughs> um, am I a hypocrite? You know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes um, you got to say what you say what you got to say what you got to say to seal the deal, man. And if you tell somebody you're going to make fun of them later, uh, you might not get with that person. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a, it's a great kind of a trap to ensure that someone is with me forever. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and even in your day, in the reductress thing, like, you know, what is worthy of your time? Like whatever, if some of these things are headlines or short blurbs, you pretty much can churn out whatever funny thing uh, gets into your head. Like if it was a long thing piece or something, you have to ask, okay, is this funny thing worth my time? Yeah, I think, I don't know. When I, when I, so they have different sections. I guess you're referring, there's like a section called thoughts. It kind of is like uh, think pieces. Um, it's a lot of the headlines I think of for those are like, you know, things my, like I've been seeing online that people are sharing or like, um, kind of a general trend I've noticed with my, like, people around me. Um, like, I remember kind of when the Louis C.K., uh, there was this think piece I was thinking of the other day that I wrote for that website. I, I love calling it a think piece. It's, like, grounded in no actual true and analytical skills. But <laughs> there's one called, uh, should we really cancel the careers of men who ruin the careers of others? Wow. And it, and it came good. out around, yeah, thank you. It came out around the time... I was thinking about Louis C.K. a lot because, like, he was trying to have a comeback um, after his experiences started getting published. Um, and, you know, people were kind of questioning, like, oh, should we allow this guy back in, even though he absolutely destroyed the careers of people who were underneath him the entire time that helped catapult him to the top? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we should have canceled him a while ago. Yeah. Um, and what so about you know, what like, what about there? Is there a spectrum of creepiness? Like where is uh where's Cosby versus uh Crystalia versus uh Louis C.K. on on the whole inappropriate uh or rape in, in certain situations? So I suppose Cosby's on one end of the spectrum. Who's on the le the least creepy uh other end of the spectrum? Is it somebody like Aziz I'm I'm sorry? Uh yeah, I guess. I've never thought about it as like a spectrum like that. <laughs> <but> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's uh, there's definitely some gray area in terms of accountability. Um, but yeah, no, Aziz is kind of on the left side. I actually remember um, I the one time I went to Comedy Cellar, uh, he dropped in. And this is before his, maybe a year before his last Netflix special came out. Okay. Um, so And he discussed some of the things that came up in the Netflix special. But it was also like too soon to when that babe.net um, piece came out and I felt really uncomfortable sitting there being like I'm not sure if I should be like enjoying this by any means yeah um and I don't know he's a, he's a hard one to kind of frame in terms of that conversation and it's kind of you know taking you prisoner because you bought tickets before you knew he'd pop in yeah 
Um, fortunately, I didn't buy the tickets. It was a gift, but. <laughs> Well, at least you're able to write an article afterwards. Did you write anything? I mean, it, it sounds like you wrote about uh, Louis C.K. Did you write about Aziz or anybody else who's canceled? Uh, did I write about anyone else who's canceled? I think I left Aziz alone. <laughs> it's so hard. I have such a long career already of just coming after men. But <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think I went after Aziz Ansari. Um, but if he, you know, if the shoe fits. Yeah. <laughs> If he finds a joke and he's like, that's about me, you wrote that, I'll just be like, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> feel bad. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I subtweeted you plenty. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's probably not a spectrum. It's probably just, you know, black and white. It was either, uh, it was either illegal or inappropriate or unethical and probably all the above. And so, you know, it's, you don't get on a spectrum. You just get fucking canceled outright. It's just so sad that some of these things are happening on Twitter where they, they jump at any opportunity to cancel stupid fucking shit now stupid and it's kind of watering you know like cancel burger king or some shit and it's like dude you're you're killing the whole hashtag i mean it used to mean something yeah i i haven't seen anyone try to cancel burger king yet That's yeah, I forgot, yeah i forgot what that was but um you know cancel you know i suppose there was a good reason to cancel starbucks at some point because they wouldn't let black their employees wear the black lives matter attire but sometimes it's just um it's it's really watering it down it used to be uh you know just kept for you know people like the the louis ck and the crystalia um it's so knee-jerk and before things were proved at all. Like, and I don't yeah. care. Yeah, I don't care. Like, let, let this stuff come out. But, um, but yeah, you know, find a new fucking hashtag. Or maybe they should get, yeah, that should be a spectrum. You know, it should be like the orange alert or the red alert, you know, like the terrorism thing where <laughs> there's actually levels of cancellation on Twitter now. Yeah, no, I, I do think we should set up some type of department in Twitter well, to dude, oversee that, some governing authority. Well, dude, I can't. Um, I, if, I, if, but I think the most painful thing is, who, what's his name? Chris D'Elia? Yeah. I did not know who this man was until I just recently learned he was canceled. So I'll actually never forgive Twitter for bringing him into <laughs> my attention. Yeah. Like, and we, we talked trash about him even before we learned about this, just because his later specials weren't funny at all. And so, uh, but, it, but if there's anybody who's going to create these, uh, you know, discuss and create and make funny these levels of uh, Twitter cancellation is Brandon Follick, and we follow him at, at Follick Acid, and also uh, you can find him at Brandon underscore Follick, and there you're going to see some pictures of his Star Bar uh, show, monthly show, Girls Girls, but also there's a bi-weekly with Paige Smith-Hogan and another person, Davis. Michelle Davis. Michelle, Michelle Davis. Davis. And, and because you both are so great, I'm going to have to look up Michelle Davis right now if I don't follow her already. So Brandon oh, Follick, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Brand, Brandon Follick, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome.